up at, uh, I was 14, 13. We kind of grew up pretty quick. And uh, anyway, Molly, Jerry Molly and uh, Billy Jones, they had both had Harleys. I didn't have one yet. And I was only 14, 13, 14. Jerry was homeless. I guess he was homeless. I don't, it's really funny. Nobody give a shit. They they didn't know where you were from. They didn't, you know, just uh, like like Ming, you know. Nobody thought anything about that. They don't give a shit. Uh, you're you're. It's really really weird. Uh, anyway, Miley needed a tent. I don't know whether he's going to go camping or, or whatever. He was a little older, maybe a couple of years older, three years older, and uh, I was in the Boy Scouts, and I had the key to the scout cabin up the road and I said hell I can get you a tent that's no problem uh, if I can use your, your motor we call it a motor you're not your motor so we, if I can take your motor he said yeah go ahead so I could very easily ride uh, you know so I drove up to the scout hut up, up Bailey Avenue um, a couple of miles or whatever we went in and got the, the tent and laid it on the gas tank and headed back they were so I come I crowd to Bailey Avenue, which is a main drag. I looked both ways and I crossed it. I started to go down it and I looked and there was a cop coming down, so I just went straight across. Now the cop was driving a seventy four. Now that's the big motor with the big crash bars and you know they were the big motorcycles. And so I went down straight and turned left and looked and the cop had made a right. But I turned another way and looked back, and the cop had made a. So then I knew he was after me. So then I started putting it on. But I knew this, the area real well. So I headed back towards Gordon's, where Jerry was. And I run a couple of stop signs, and I could hear the siren behind me. And uh, uh, I made a couple of rights and lefts. But as young as I was, I knew that I had more mobility than he had with that big 74. But if I got into a straight run, he would catch up with me. But if I could keep him, you know. So anyway, I, I came by Jerry and Gordon and Billy and them were there. I come hauling ass by. They could hear the siren. Here come this cop on. Well, right at the end of the street there, it made a right and then another left. So I just made a quick right, you know, and then back a left real quick. And I was running. I was scared. So I was doing weird shit. Well, they said when the cop took the corner, his crash bars were scraping the ground. You know, he was trying to make it so tight. So then I hauled ass down Stone Street and turned left in front of my house. In front, there was a house in my house. So I turned left and shut down the side, the, the side of the yard, went in the back of the house, and my house was up off the ground. And I took the bike and put it under the house, shut it off and run into the house. And I don't know whether I got in the bed or got under the bed or what I'd done. Anyway, I just stayed there. And I could hear the motorcycle go by a couple of times. You know, finally he, he gave up. He was gone. So I waited probably 30 minutes or so. So I went out and got on the bike and drove back up to the guys. And they were laughing like hell. I said, what the hell was that? You know, and I said, I, he was he was after my ass. I didn't have a driver's license, you know, and whatever like that. And they, 
he come hauling by here and sparks were flying off his uh, crash bars and stuff. They made a big joke out of it. But yeah, that was uh, that was funny. And then I got a got a damn T model. I don't I can't remember where I got that. That was I'm sorry, it was A model. And the, the the A model used more oil than it did gas. I guess the rings on that thing or whatever was shot as hell, and so I uh, putted with it and. And uh, the starter wasn't working that well. But we took that damn A model, I took the doors off of it, and we went up to the girl's house on, on uh, uh, wherever the hell it was. It's a boarding house. We had three, three girls we went to see there. We kind of hung out, but we didn't really date or you just kind of, Hey, you know, something to do. There was something for them to do, and we'd go get uh, ice cream or something. And and we we took that A model up there and got the girls and went around and come down Capitol Street with that damn A model popping and doing all that shit and stuff. And they had a ball. They were waving, you know, and all that shit. And we had a lot of fun with that A model. But I guess I, I guess I learned from the school of hard knocks. I had no education. Uh, I didn't spell right properly. A lot of the education I got, I read. Uh, and it was very important for me because I had a mentor. I found a guy that was interested, and in, he saw I was interested, and he was too. And he uh, taught me a lot of things that I didn't know. And uh, I learned later on in life, I'd have to write a lot of dissertations and stuff and performance appraisals and stuff. And uh, so I learned later on that I would make little notes and I would call my secretary and I would dictate what I wanted to to do. And that way I didn't have to spell anything. But there was a time for three, four or five months I worked at the state prison. And uh, that's, that's interesting. There was... Uh, we had, as usual, we were we were we were the new guys. So we showed up for the graveyard shift. Smart guys don't work graveyard, and uh, we showed up at the. It's still there. The front tower one is made of concrete, and uh, in order to get your relief, the guard had to drop a key down to open the chain link fence to get into the tower to open the door to get in, you know, whatever. And that's where they kept all the weapons and stuff is in Tower 1. And uh, we, we showed up, uh, Whitey and I, we drove up from Provo. And he was an older guy. And uh, I worked on Tower 1. I, I, I was in a tower for quite a while before I went inside. Anyway, uh, we showed up. what that was. And a lot of things were going on, and the sergeant was there, the lieutenant was there, and uh, uh, they said, get your weapons. There's there's a problem down at the farm, and some guy won't come out. He's starting to cause a riot, something like that. And we were on the goon squad, I think they call it. So uh, I had a Thompson submachine gun, which I'd fired before, but up in that tower, I had a Three, what the hell was it? It was a long range rifle, and I could 
they they uh, in the afternoon or early morning, whenever they'd go out somewhere, put up a big metal thing, and you would shoot it, you know, to just practice, and that pissed the inmates off to no end, man. They and that that was true. That was uh, anyway. So they said, "Oh, we got Parliament Farm." So I did a submachine gun and that's the thing, and I reach it and hook and see go down, and we line up, and the the inmates are there, and the lieutenant says, "I'm giving you an order to step forward." You know, the guy that was supposed to come in, he'd screwed up, and and all the other guys said, "Bullshit!" I, you know, he kind of whatever. So anyway. Uh, we uh, what, it was about six or eight of us lined up there, and I'm thinking, you know, and I had no animosity toward anybody. I just doing my job, and the the rule was when the lieutenant stepped back, okay, then we would open fire. So when he got through arguing, nothing was happening. And I could see he was sitting ready to step back. I thought about the Thompson, and it has a tendency to rise when you when you hit it. It'll it'll rise on you. So I took mine and turned it sideways, so I'd go across, and I would have shot every damn one of them. And just as he went to step back, the guy stepped forward and said, "Okay." He realized, I guess, when everybody moved their guns and stuff. And in those days, it was uh, there were no rubber bullets, so there was no whatever. I mean, it was for real, you know. And I thought later, many times later, would you really have shot that guy? Yeah. Well, wouldn't you feel remorse? No. That was my job, you know. Not, nothing personal. I don't hate you or nothing. Just my job, you know. Uh, and I, I felt that way. I uh, it's, it's like shooting a deer or something like that, you know. So anyway, we, we, we resolved that problem, and we all, let's see, they had Tower 1, Tower 2, Tower 1, Tower 2, Tower 3, Tower 4. Oh, Rush was uh, the main, that was Tower 1, that was Tower 2, Tower 3, Tower 4, Tower 5, yeah. And about every hour, you had, you had a mic system in this whole system. And uh, you were all hooked together. They were all active all the time. And uh, so Bruce uh, was in Tower 1. And on the hour, he would say, check 1. I was supposed to say, check 2. You know, are you awake? Are you still there? <laughs> what, you know? And we, and to get in the tower, you, you climbed up these stairs at our tower climbed up these stairs, and then uh, we had to lift the steel door up for you to come up into the tower. And uh, then we had a toilet, we had a, a sink and water and stuff and things like that, and I had two guns, I think, and, uh, and, a, and a pistol, I think. And uh, if, when the car come around to 8 o'clock to drop off your relief, if the car passed you up, you were fucked. There was no relief. You had to pull a double. Shit. And I, after midnight, man, that's tough to work till eight, uh, eight, uh, four o'clock the next afternoon. But anyway, uh, so 
we had these microphones that all hooked tower one, check one, check two, check three, check four, check five. And you just kind of sit around and look around. And we had a big spotlight you could run and, and run around the fence and whatever. Some of them would run into the barracks, and uh, you don't do that. That pissed the inmates off. So anyway, we were sitting there. It was a kind of a windy night. Things are kind of quiet. And for whatever reason, Bruce, down in Tower 1, he could see something moving. And the more he looked at it, it looked like an inmate that had got out of the prison and stuff. So without saying a goddamn word, he picks up his gun and lays it up on the thing and starts like that, you know. Holy shit. I mean, that came over the microphones of all the towers and stuff, you know. Jesus Christ, talking about almost shitting in your pants, you know. You jump up and look around and all the spotlights went over and, you know, you crazy bastard, why didn't you say something? Well, it looked like, and then the yard sergeant comes out, and all hell breaks loose, and there was some leaves or something, or something moving, and, you know, Bruce is half groggy anyway, so that was kind of funny. But I had to go to work inside the prison, and uh, that was another story. They had a guard gate, a cell office, yeah, guard office, and uh, they had the cells of inmates. and. Uh, they all had numbers. You know, the, the, each cell had a number. And you had this Mickey Mouse piece of shit thing that you pull down, like, to number 12, okay? And then you you pulled a lever and you cocked it, okay? Then you pulled another lever and it opened the door. And then you had another one you could pull down to all, like in the morning, and you would cock it. And then you'd rack them, and all the cells would come open. And uh, so uh, Leroy had KP. So the KPs go out at something like 4 o'clock. And uh, Leroy's in cell number 26. They bring down the thing to cell 26, and you crock it, you know. And it's everything is steel and concrete. Okay. It rattles, it makes noise and stuff. They take it down to 26, you cock it, and you pull it open, and cell number 29 opens. Fuck. Slam, you slam it shut. Then you set 26 again, you cock it, pull it, and cell number 32 opens. And by that time, they're hey, man, what the fuck are you doing up there? You know, and stuff like that. And there was, I had to pull a double. Yeah, that was. I had to pull a double. I was shot, and I got to know the inmates. And uh, I told the inmate I was going to take a nap. Would you kind of keep an eye on things for me? And he said, "Yeah, you know." Uh, and somehow or another, they knew that I was just doing my job. I had no animosity toward them. I didn't treat them dirty. There were some guards that did, but no, I didn't treat them dirty. I, they were human beings. They were doing a, a thing. I was doing a thing. Uh, they knew why I was doing it, trying to get paid doing something. And uh, But some of the guards, they got uh, the inmate. And then when you went on, you had your little lunch bucket, and they would check it when you went in. And then you'd walk through and down the aisles and 
you know, and then when at eight o'clock when you got off, you had to leave, and all the inmates were loose, and you had to walk through the inmates to get to the the chamber that lets you out. The uh, Sally Port, they call it Sally Port. They would let you in and lock that before they opened the other one to let you out. And uh, anyway, at any point in time, they could put a shiv in you or if they wanted to and stuff like that. So it paid to to be uh, uh, honest, upright, uh, you know, freedom with respect and uh, whatever. And they made some of the best level leather work you've ever seen. And oh, you got your hair cut there. The inmates cut your hair. But they had a pretty good deal going. I mean, the the prison did. They had a farm. They had cows. They had they they made a uh, crop, if you will. They were actually making some money. Uh, they were making the license plates. Uh, some prisons make furniture and stuff, you know. So uh, 